Well, good morning, everyone. How many were here last week? Fire. Fire. It was so good to have Pastor Ken Clater talk about honor, the importance of honor, honoring up, honoring down, honoring all around. And as he began to pray at the end of service, he prophesied that there would be someone with the neck pain that would be healed, someone with back pain that would be healed. First service, I had someone come up to me and said, in that moment, my back was healed. It had been really bad for many, many years in that moment. And then second service, I had a lady come up to me and said, that was me with the neck. And in that moment, I felt the miraculous power of God heal my back and my neck. Do we serve a great God? So often we could look at what's going on around us and our circumstances and we lose sight that we serve a God that is able. We serve a God that's more than able. We serve a God that can do the miraculous and supernatural things. And so often we get our eyes on our circumstances and we forget who God is. God's good. He's powerful. And no matter what may be happening around us, we serve a God who's always right on time. Can you say amen? So something we say quite often, I don't want to go down here and I want to look in your eyes and I want to say it to each and every person in this room. When you walk through the doors of countryside, we want you to know some things. First of all, we want you to know that you matter. You matter to God and you matter to this church. We want you to know that you belong. In a world where you go so many places and you feel like, I just don't fit in. I don't belong here. Hear me. Every single person walks through these doors. We want you to know that you belong. No matter what your background is, no matter what you've come out of, no matter what your religious background is, there is a place for you at Countryside. So people say, why do you say that so much? Because I know that there's at least one person in this room today that needs to hear it. And if you need to hear it, hear it from me boldly because you matter, you belong, and there's a place for you at Countryside. Countryside, can you say amen to that? I want to welcome all those that are watching online with us right now. You're part of our family. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of people that watch our service every single week, and they're part of a community that is together and united and part of this church. So let's welcome all those that are watching online right now. So today we're starting a series called The Moral of the Story. And what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at the teachings of Jesus. Jesus taught in what's called parables, where he would teach and give stories that were relevant for the day so that the people could understand it wasn't some deep theological teaching that he gave, but yet it was deep and theological because it was talking about the very character of who he is and the very character of what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna be looking at four different parables. There's two of them that you're gonna recognize, but there's also two of them that you probably have never heard, but this is gonna be a challenging series because we're gonna look inside of our heart and we're gonna say, God, in the day that you taught this, it's relevant, but what's so great about Jesus Christ? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what was relevant in his day is just as relevant in our day today. Can you say amen? So today, let's turn the page and take a look at what today's parable is. The parables of Jesus. So let's take a look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
In Luke chapter 10, Jesus and the disciples had recently traveled through the region of Samaria. Samaritans hated Jews, and the feeling was mutual. In fact, Jesus and the disciples were treated so poorly there that James and John wanted to call fire down from heaven to destroy them all, which Jesus did not allow. But after they had left Samaria, an expert in Jewish law put Jesus to the test with a question. How could he obtain eternal life? Jesus turned the question around to the expert, who answered that the way was to love God and love your neighbor. But who is my neighbor? The religious expert asked. He wanted to know who he could exclude from having to love. Jesus then told a story about a man who was attacked while traveling. He was robbed, beaten, and left half dead on the side of the road. A Jewish priest, someone whose life calling was to mediate God's favor to people, happened along, but ignored the wounded victim and went on his way. A Levite happened along, and this was a person whose life calling was to serve in God's house. He also ignored the victim and went on his way. But then a Samaritan of all people happened along. He saw the helpless Jewish man and had compassion. He helped him and brought him to an inn where he took care of him and paid for his care until he could get back on his feet. When he finished the story, Jesus turned to the religious teacher who asked, but who is my neighbor? And turned the question around again. Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The religious teacher said, the one who had mercy, not even able to say the word Samaritan. Jesus then told the religious teacher to go and do likewise. So what's the moral of this story? Pastor Tim O'Fallon, what a great storyteller. Did you say? I know Pastor Tim's watching online right now. How dare you take vacation? We need you. Now, do you appreciate Pastor Tim O'Fallon? What a great, great man of God we are blessed to have on staff at this church. So there was a deep hatred between Jews and Samaritans. It wasn't just a guy on the side of the road with another guy coming by to, to bring help. These people were raised, it was born and bred in them to hate the other person. The Jews saw themselves as pure descendants of Abraham, while the Samaritans were a mixed race produced when Jews from the Northern Kingdom intermarried with peoples after Israel's exile. So there was racism involved. There was class warfare that was involved. There was a deep bitterness and hatred from the very core of the being of these two people. Surely the Jewish priest would help this beaten, broken man. But no, the Jewish priest did not. Sometimes people can get so caught up in religion that they lose the reality of who Jesus is. Jesus is love in action always. So we can get so caught up in religion. If it, think about it. This man was trained with all of these religious practices, but yet did not show love to the person that was hurting. Well, surely the Levite temple assistant 
was trained to help people that were in need. But no, the word says he crossed over to the other side and passed by. Now, here's the example that Jesus was teaching us in this parable. It was the despised Samaritan, the person that the Jewish people hated the most, but also the Samaritan who was trained to also hate back. So it was a mutual hatred, but this Samaritan gave the example of Christ's love in action because he was moved by compassion. How could this be? In a culture where people were raised to hate each other, it wasn't the norm to love and to help those the opposite of where you're living. Racism, hate, class warfare. But you see, what we're seeing in this, what we're seeing in this parable is we're seeing the heart of God. We're seeing what it means to truly love out of our being and to love when love's not easy to give. You see, true love, true compassion, it's not always gonna be convenient. It's not always gonna be easy. It's not always gonna be with the way we maybe were raised or things that we were taught. You see, it's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. There are people in your life that God has called you and only you to reach someone with his love, with his kindness, with his care, and with his compassion. You see, we're called to love our neighbors. In a culture where people say, I love my neighbor, but how we show it is as maybe we're pulling out on Sunday morning, you roll your window down, give them a wave. Or maybe you have a casual conversation with someone as you're bringing your garbage out. You see, real love involves compassion. Real love involves sacrifice. Real love, hear me, means to put others' needs above your own needs. In a world, in a culture that's constantly telling us, take care of yourself, you need this and then you'll be happy. You take care, if it feels good, you go do it. You see, the word of God teaches the opposite and it teaches us to love the unlovable, to love the people around us that no one is gonna love. You see, there's people that we're willing to love because it's easy. It's easy for me to come into church with a congregation that is so loving and caring. You, church, are easy for me to love. But it's not always easy to love in a world that's broken, that's hurting, that can bring division, that believes differently, that lives differently, and it's easy for us to get caught up in ourselves. So today we're gonna to talk about how we can truly love our neighbors, love our neighbors well, and how to love the people around us that are not easy to love. Is there anybody in your life that's not easy to love? Is that just me? I'm so convicted right now. So how can we do that? In your notes, number one, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to go the extra mile. As Christians, we don't do the bare minimum. We go beyond 
the call of duty. We go beyond the hello. We go beyond just the superficial love that's so easily given. And what that is, is not genuine love, it's genuine niceness. God's called us to be nice, yes. But he called us to be loving, which is fueled by compassion and care. So let me tell you, when I first got into ministry in 1995 full-time, Elaine and I, we were so excited. After 10 years of working at the post office, God opened the door for me to be a youth pastor and a children's pastor. Things that I was doing as a volunteer for so many years, now I'm going full-time and I'm gonna get paid to beat up on kids. For those that were in my youth ministry, you know I was a professional wrestler guy and I put every one of them in a figure four leg lock. And somehow they respected me because of it. I couldn't believe it. I'm now gonna go to camp and get paid to go to camp. I can't believe it. I'm going to Astro Skate and I'm skating around watching kids and that's my job to love these kids. But early on we found out that ministry is not always easy. It's not always easy. Sometimes the people that you would think would love you the most can reject you the most. And what we found in our time when we first started, a little bit of conflict with people that may have been a little jealous of the relationships I had with the different teenagers and the ministry was growing and succeeding and blowing up to the point where there are a couple people that what they did, they began to talk negatively about me and Elaine behind our back. Can you believe that? I know you're like, how could anyone talk about you? You're so, so nice guy. That's what I say. Well, they did. And it, it caused such a conflict in ministry. We reached a point where we went our separate ways. And, and what ended up happening is I began to have unforgiveness in my heart. And that unforgiveness that was left undone and left not taken care of and not forgiven it began to cause a bitterness to rise inside of my heart. Here I am in ministry and I'm preaching forgiveness and grace and forgiveness, but I was finding myself at a place where I was getting bitter because of what had happened in that circumstance. And God clearly showed me after a few years, you need to go and ask for forgiveness and just bring restoration and healing to that relationship. So I did that. We hugged, we forgave each other, and we went our separate ways and really didn't talk again for many, many years. When I say many years, we really didn't have a conversation again for about 25 years. But you know, God has his way. And so I'm giving you recent news, church. So probably about four months ago, God clearly showed me in my prayer time that yeah, I had forgiven, and that's, that's a beautiful, good job, pastor, you've forgiven but you did not go the extra mile. And he clearly showed me I need to go, seek him out, go to his place, and let him know how much I honor him, how much I was blessed by his ministry, because he was the first one that recruited me to be a minister in this church. I wanted to show honor, respect, and care, and that was all my agenda was. When I shared those things, he began to weep. Little did I know that it was a time in his life where he was feeling rejected. It was a time in his life where he needed to know that his past really mattered to people. And God used it to bring healing to him, but he also used it to bring restoration to us. 
Now, it doesn't always happen this way. Sometimes people, they'll say, I did what you said. I asked for forgiveness and they won't even talk to me. But you see, God gives a responsibility to us. And we're responsible to what God tells us to do. God will take care of the rest. And I can honestly say after that conversation that we're now friends again. And we've got a lunch plan coming up where we're gonna get together and God brought real healing and restoration. But see, he uses us. Followers of Jesus Christ, we're the ones that are called to go the extra mile. In a world where people want to lay arm's length distance, and after all of COVID and that COVID environment, people are segregated and isolated like never before. God's saying to us, Come and be my hand extended and love the people around you and love your neighbor with a heart of care and a heart of compassion, even when it's not easy. You see, I had to, I had to fight the Tampa traffic to go and meet with this guy. Have you ever noticed when you, right when you cross the Pinellas Hillsborough County line, have you ever noticed? It's like something satanic happens. It wasn't easy, it was humbling, but God used it and God brings healing. And that's the same God that wants to bring healing and restoration in your life. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 34, says he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any expense that you may have. You see, he didn't just go by this guy that was beaten up and say, you know what, here, I got a Band-Aid for you. God bless you. It's so easy to do that. How many drive-by prayers do we give when someone says, hey, oh, man, I got great need. You know, I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying, I'm praying. And then we go home, we don't even think about it. That's why so often at the front door, why I grab someone when they have a prayer need, I'm praying right then because I don't trust myself. I'm gonna pray for you right now. But when people express a need for prayer, stop in the moment and pray. Well, I'm busy. I'm busy too. We can use busyness as an excuse to miss true love and compassion that God wants us to give. See, the Samaritan actually did something. He put real love, real compassion into action. Used his own money, took all this time, and was willing to pay after he came back to make sure that this Jewish man had received the care. He took care for a man that he was raised to hate. Think about that. It's easy for us to take care of people that we love so deeply. But this is the example that Christ gave us in the, this parable. He cared with love with someone that he was raised to hate. Whew. That's the heart of God. It's to love when it's not easy. To love in spite of the differences of people. To love people that maybe we were raised not to love. Or to love people that we're not enough alike or they're not like us or they're not Christian enough and they're not this. God says, love the people around you with my love and with my compassion. You see, in the time, 
soldiers, Roman soldiers, were given the instruction. It was the law that when they came in contact with someone that was hurting, that they would carry their stuff, their weaponry or whatever it is for one mile. That was the law. But Jesus didn't go by just enough. Jesus always went above and beyond with love, with care, with grace. Matthew chapter five, verse 41. Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. You know, I look around and I see so many people that are serving the Lord so beautifully. I see online where people are trying to get meal trains for people that have loss or people that are in a, have, had a baby or and they're in the hospital. And you respond so graciously to those things. I see people that are willing to lay down themselves and their time to run errands for older people. I see people that are calling shut-ins and reaching out to people that are lonely and hurting. And it takes time and it takes effort, but that is the heart of God. You know, my dad had two strokes over the last two years. And now they are shut-ins. And I've seen people in this church will reach out and call, different ones. I've seen people in this church that will show up and just spend time sitting and talking and praying with my dad. Sometimes what he says back isn't clear and it can be frustrating, but they have felt the love. I, I have people give me cards all the time, just show, show, tell them I miss them, tell them I love them. I see women that make food for my mom and, and bring such relief. What you are doing when you do those things, even to the least of these, you are showing the love and the care and the compassion of Jesus Christ. So when we say we love God and we love people, true love is filled with compassion and true love is not always easy to give. Number two, how do we show love to our neighbor? Let our actions be evidence of our love. We live in a culture where it's so flippantly used the word love. Hey, love you, man. I'm guilty. Love you. Man, I love the Gators. Let me tell you, I love pizza. And now that I'm not doing that carb thing, I've only had pizza like two times in the last year and a half. I love pizza. I love that the weather cooled down 10 degrees from yesterday and it's beautiful weather out there. That's why we live in Florida. But there's a difference between I love the gators and I love people. There's a depth to real love that God has given us. You see, love is something that we show. It's something that we give. It's something that we feel. See, I, would, I wouldn't die for the gators. I wouldn't, I mean, I might fight for the gators, but I'm not, I'm not gonna die for the gators. I'm not, I'm not gonna die if I don't eat pizza again. But I would lay my life down for my family. I would lay my life down for my friends. I would lay my life down for you as a church because that's what real love is. It's a portion of, of our heart that we're giving to the people around us that is filled with action. But love is not always easy. Yesterday, I, I did a funeral of a young man, 18 years old, that was murdered. I want you to know, when there's a tragedy like that, the pain that I feel at the very core of my being is deep. 
This past couple of weeks have been very difficult for me after knowing this. This is a family that goes to our church that I love so deeply. In my heart, I wanted to get out of it because it was a trigger to some tragedy in my own life and the pain that I was feeling was like, I, I can't deal with this. And God clearly said to me, clearly impressed on me, yes, you can deal with this. Because in this moment of great loss is your greatest moment to show great love and great care. Friday night, I didn't sleep at all. I prayed the entire night. So if I look tired today, yeah, because I'm tired. I'm thinking, what can I say to a mother that lost her son to murder? What am I going to say? How am I going to show compassion to someone that's a group of people that have great loss, tragedy, anger, disappointment? What am I going to do? Because there's nothing I can say that's going to make anything different because here they are in this moment of loss. And God clearly showed me as I prayed all night Friday. Just said, love them. You just love them. In their greatest moment of pain, you let them know how much I love them. That even though they feel such tragedy and hurt and pain, I said, listen to me. God loves you. God is not done with you yet. God's got a plan and a purpose for your future and for your life. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer to the brother. And let me tell you, he's with us in this moment. As we grieve, as we cry, we're in it together. The Bible says that we're gonna rejoice with those that rejoice and we're gonna grieve with those that grieve. And in that moment where they felt love and care at the end of that service, nearly 20 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ in the midst of tragedy. See, that wasn't easy for me. I almost, I almost got Pastor Andrew to take my place on Wednesday. I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do this. It wasn't easy. But you see, real love's not always easy. It's not always convenient. It's not always what you would call your wheelhouse. But real, lo real love is sacrificial because of the cause. And remember, as believers in Christ, our cause is always Christ-centered. And when we begin to look at those around us that are hurting, that are lonely, that are lost, that are forgotten, and we begin to show them the love of Jesus Christ, remember, it's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. Many of you are in this room today because someone showed you kindness, love, and compassion, and you saw Jesus in that person, which in turn brought you into a place where you were introduced to the love of Jesus Christ. But love can be costly. It can be painful. You think about what God did? You think it was easy for God to give his greatest love, his son, to be sacrificed on the cross for us, a sinful, broken people? But yet God gave his very best because of how much he loves us. 1 John chapter 3, starting verse 16, says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave it up, gave up his life for us. 
So we also ought to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister but, has, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. So I want you to think, who are the most difficult people for you to love? Is it the homeless? Is it the addicted? Is it the broken in society? Is it someone that doesn't believe exactly how you believe? Or maybe has a struggle with a sin that you don't struggle with? Is it someone that's mentally unstable? Is it that crazy aunt that does weird things on Thanksgiving every year? Is it the sinners around us? Because you know what? Those are our neighbors and those are the people that God has called us to love. So in your notes, it says, love your neighbor. Who is that neighbor for you? Write it down. Maybe write down their name or write down the people group or write down the people that you struggle with because that's just the people that God wants you to love the most. Some people confuse loving with agreeing with someone. Listen, just because you love someone in their sin does not mean you agree with their sin. But when you're down in the dirt with them, it doesn't mean you're gonna sin with them, but you're going to love them in spite of their sin and offer them the hope that we all have received through salvation in Jesus Christ. The heart of God is to put everyone into a place to hear love, to hear the truth of the gospel, so that they will come to the saving knowledge, repentance for their sin by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Where would we be without Jesus? Oh my, I look at times in my life, where would I be if God's grace was not shown to me? But I look at all y'all, y'all need to be some grateful people for some grace, let me tell you, because God has been good to you as well. Third thing, final thing today, as you show how to love your neighbor, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. So often we can live our lives with our heads down. And we're just focused on the task at hand. I gotta do this. I gotta, okay, I gotta finish this. I, gotta. I encourage you to walk with your head up and your eyes open to the people around you that are broken, that are hurting. When you come to church and you see someone missing, I encourage you to get to know the people around you because all y'all sit in the same place every week. Get to know the people around you because that's what the family of God is. And when you see someone in church and they're alone, invite them to sit with your family. Invite them to sit with your friends. We want people walking into here to know that they are loved even in a broken state. We love and we care. But we have to intentionally get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on the people around us because if we can't see them, we can't help them. And if our head's down, we're not gonna see them. If our blinders are on our eyes, our focus on all of our stuff, we're gonna miss the needs of others that are around us. You know something that our men's group started doing? I love this. It's called Rescue on the Road. Rescue on the Road is when they see someone that appears to be homeless or addicted. You know, you know we see them everywhere. They have the sign. What they're gonna do is, they're, yeah, they're gonna offer a prayer to them in that moment, but they're also going to give them a backpack, a backpack that has socks, toiletries, a $10 gift, gift card to Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, a nice water bottle where they can have fresh water, a Bible, and a first aid kit. 
So what they're saying is, hey, we love you, we're praying for you. Here is something that can help you in your time of need. So often we are so quick to say, hey, love you, we're praying for you. Put some action into your words, believers. That's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus was showing us with this story of the Great Samaritan. Hebrews chapter 13, verse six, it says, don't forget to do good and share what you have because God is pleased with these kinds of sacrifices. You know, I look at this congregation. This congregation is sponsoring over a thousand kids in the poorest areas of the world that are in poverty right now. And because of your sponsorship, there are a thousand kids that now have nutrition, they're discipled, they're trained, they have medical care, prenatal care to parents, all of this because we're not just saying, oh, we love these poor children. No, we say we're gonna do something about it. And what we are going to do is going to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's what we do. Putting love and compassion and action beyond our words. You know, I think of helping hands. You know, through the years, those that have been here for many years, we've had trials and ups and downs, great times, hard times. We've had layoffs. We've had job cuts. We were time where we've taken salary reductions. But you know something that was never on the table for Countryside Christian Church? Never did we even mention the possibility of shutting down helping hands. Because that's the light to this community. When people are hungry, let me tell you, over five, six, seven hundred families every week going through a line. And when you got people that are hungry looking at you, you can say, hey, God loves you. Have a good day. Or you can say, you know what? God loves you. I'm praying for you. Here's 50 pounds of produce and meat and canned goods to help you get through this week. That is love in action. And for those that don't know, next week we have what? Every month we have cans and communion. We have communion and service, but we also bring canned goods every single month so that it can help stock the shelves of helping hands because God's called us to be a light. So what's the moral of this story? At the end of this parable, Jesus poses a question and gives this commandment. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 36. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, now go and do the same. So, I like to get down here at the end of service. It's a great parable. It's a great story. It's inspiring. It's a beautiful thing that we just talked about and read. But here's the key. There's always an action point behind what Jesus says. He doesn't say, now go have a nice salad. Now that you heard this, hey, have a nice cookout with your family. It's good. Oh, I'm having a cookout with my family tomorrow, so I'm not judging that. But he says, now, go and do the same. Now, you, you saw this man that reached out with a heart of compassion, with a hand that was going to follow through and go through the extra mile, that was gonna love where he was trained to hate. He loved in spite of how he was trained. 
He loved in spite of the racism that he faced. He loved, he loved, he sowed, he gave. And now Jesus is saying to us, now, Glenn, go and do the same. Now, church, go and do the same. Show the love of Jesus Christ with action. Show the love of Jesus Christ with compassion, with care to the people that are the most unlovable people in your life. I know that's hard to hear. I'm glad I'm standing back today a little bit. But those are the ones that Jesus has called us to love the most. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He didn't come for the healed, he came for the broken. He didn't come for the righteous, he came for the lost. And that's who Jesus has called us to show his great love and his heart of compassion to. Now go and do the same. Can you say amen? Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? Father, we thank you for your heart of compassion for each and every one of us. Lord, you love us. You first loved us. You called us out of darkness into your glorious light. You brought us to repentance because of your kindness and your care. Thank you, Lord, that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're always right on time. And in our darkest moments in life, you are right there with us. And we give you praise and thanks for that. And I pray that we would always be a church that didn't just say we love, but we put love into action. We put action into compassion. And we begin to care for the people around us with the only love that we could ever show that's real love, and that's your love. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today, you say, Pastor Glenn, I wanna know that love. Maybe you're in church today, you don't even know why you're here. Well, guess what? You're here to hear this message. There's nobody here by chance. And I wanna say to you, God loves you. No matter what your background is, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, God loves you and he offers salvation to each and every one of us. And that comes through the repentance of our sin and receiving his grace and having the faith in him that he went to the cross, gave his life for you and me on a cross for our sins. And on the third day, he rose from the dead and now has ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for us. Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And the hope that we have is in the salvation that we see receive in Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Glenn, will you pray for me? I wanna know him. I wanna have a real relationship with God through his son, Jesus. I wanna know that I have someone that I could talk to and pray with and be with. And I wanna encourage you, in this moment, darkness turns to light when you receive Christ as your savior. If that's you today, I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna single anyone out. But if you just raise your hand, look at me, I'm gonna pray for you. And I believe that today will be the beginning of a new day for you and your life and your future. If that's you, raise your hand when I count to three. One, hands are already going up. Two, three, raise it up high. Yes, yes, thank you, yes, thank you. Your hand, yours, yes, yes. Thank you, God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. I see your hand and yours. Thank you, I see your hand as well. God bless you. 
up at the top. Is there anyone else that want to respond to this moment? Can we all pray for the sake of all those that raised their hand today? Just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love, your compassion, your care. I thank you that you gave your life for me so that I might know life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand together as we close today? Maybe we can give the Lord a great praise offering for what he's doing in this place today. I'd like to invite our prayer team up to the front. If you responded to that message, we have a free book we'd love to give you. It's called A Fresh Start with God. But if you ever need prayer for anything, just know we are here to pray with you and stand with you. So as I close today, Pastor Tim's on vacation, so I am gonna bless you as you go today. How many want more of Jesus in this place as we leave? Father, more of you and less of me. Father, I pray your blessing upon every marriage, every son, every daughter, every child, every family member. I pray you bless your people with positions, new positions, where they're, they're prospered into all that you have for them. I pray that as we walk out these doors, we walk into our mission field. I pray, God, that we would be a light in a dark world and that you would be glorified in the way we live, the way that we speak, and the way that we act. I pray, God, all of these things as you bless your church in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you, church.